0: Welcome back. Hey, y'all. It's part two of the White House farm murders. And thanks again to Laura Ellison for requesting this case. Thanks also, Laura, for coming up with or posting some really hilarious shit on your Facebook. Oh my God. We're friends now and you've got you that going the on. Best post. You got it going on. Yeah. So good. Yes. Okay. When we left you last, Jeremy Bamber. Had just been convicted of his family's murder and he was sentenced to life without parole. So, we went through all of the evidence that put him there and all the different things that the police found, his ex girlfriend coming forward with her story, all these things. So, now we're going to go through all of that stuff basically again. Because you told us to just put a pin in a lot of stuff. Like, remember that? Mm -hmm. But also remember this. Yep. And remember that. So get your pens ready. Okay. And now you're going to take them out. Oh. We put a pen in it. Now we're going to take it out. I I get it now. Okay. In and out. Oh, that's suggestive. I don't (laughs) like that. (laughs) Okay. So 25 years and appeal after appeal after appeal day by day (laughs) by By day. day. Amen. (laughs) And some new evidence comes in to up in the case when reports came out that had been either disregarded, hidden, overlooked, or whatever happened that kept the police reports out of the trial. Now, how many times has that shit happened? About a million. About a million, yeah. In police logs, there are notes where it was reported that the first two responders and Jeremy saw someone in the upstairs window that ran away. Whoa. Isn't that creepy, though? That's incredibly creepy cuz also they stood outside of the house for upwards of 19 hours before anybody went in but at one point they're up there Jeremy's outside with them and it's in the police record that they saw somebody come to the door or window and then that person then walked away so they definitely saw movement in the house so that's like horror movie shit oh my god this whole case is like a horror movie i listened to like or i watched that documentary well, you were better off just listening to it, not yeah. watching it. Yeah, and it was mid- it was nine in the morning, I think, when I watched it, and I was scared out of my fucking mind. Well, it's disturbing at best. Yeah, yeah. and I was alone in the house, and I was like, <laughs> <"Ch-ch-ch-ch." Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> "What was that noise?" <laughs> exactly. It, Did I, you get naked and take a shower? Of course. <laughs> yeah, Karen. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna go down in the basement. Yeah, right. With no lights on. Yes, and no exit. Mm-mm. Just where all the axes are kept. <laughs> um. So the logs show that the police were in contact with someone inside the house at 5.35 a.m. So they were saying that, like, they believe the phones were working. They're trying to contact somebody inside the house at 5.35. Well, Jeremy and the police got there at, what, like, 3-something, wasn't it? So... It doesn't. Something's not adding up there. Somebody's alive inside the house, and it's not Jeremy Bamber. Yeah, it's not Jeremy. Who, who is it? Right. More logs state that when the armed response unit entered the house around 7:37 a.m., they reported two dead bodies in the kitchen, one male and one female. Here's your pen. Mm-hmm. Take it on out. Take it out. In trial, in the trial, they said just Neville was downstairs. The two boys were in their bed. Sheila and June were in the bedroom together. And Sheila had the Bible laying next to her and was kind of clutching the gun in her hand. Now we get reports that say that when they entered the house, they first came upon a male and female on the floor in the kitchen together. It's either... It's either two people or it's one person. Like, it can't be both, so I don't understand. Then at 8.10 a.m., they radioed the discovery of three more bodies upstairs. Three, not four. These accounts of the location of bodies are different from the final reports of one body Neville downstairs and everyone else upstairs. Riddle me this. How does one dead body travel? Yeah, this is where I started getting really scared. (laughs) Because it's fucking freaky to think about like because they were like dead bodies don't move but you know she was downstairs and then she was upstairs and she moved yeah i mean how does that work Ooh, god it's creepy there's also report that the officers heard commotions in the house while they were searching so when they came in at first they thought maybe the the gunman or whatever was still in there or that just somebody else was Rifling around through all their shit? Yeah, because they could hear stuff, and it's a big house. A theory developed that the officers did see two bodies in the kitchen, Neville and Sheila. Then, as they moved through the house and injured but not dead yet, Sheila gets up and goes up one of the three staircases, which is the noise that the police heard. That is so scary that she, she is a ghost. Right. That is what it feels like to me. Yeah. And, like gunshot wound and then she's like um I think I left something upstairs let me go get it real quick I'll be right back. Yeah but oh god so creepy so if like if they walk in and she's like technically alive and then they move out of the room and then she's like okay and then she's gonna get up she's like peeking out her little head and she's like okay nobody's in this room and then she goes through one of the back staircases and gets into that room and they're all in the house and they don't know that a Person who they thought was dead is moving around right. This is a horror movie. It is it's scary, yeah, I'm terrified. calm down. <laughs> they also said, well, maybe if she got up and went up there, then the police had to shoot her. I don't think that happened. I don't either. Her body was not in liver mortis, and there was blood running out of her wounds, meaning she didn't die as long ago as the rest of the family. Some statements say a silencer was found one month earlier than the one the family found, so remember. The aunt or uncle or whoever had come forward and said, hey, we found this silencer in a box or whatever. And we know it's not supposed to be here. And it's got either red paint or blood on it, all these things. And they determined it had to have been used in the killing, which meant Sheila couldn't have done it and all these things. Well, that's not the only one that was there. They found one on August 10th, but then another silencer was found on September the 11th jeremy claims there was not a silencer on that rifle because it was a low caliber caliber rifle and it wasn't allowed anyway it didn't need a silencer the silencer is important because if it was on the rifle there's no way Sheila could have shot herself but she could have if it was not on the rifle so a lot is hinging on this silencer silencer yeah, yeah. because it determines whether or not she could have even pulled that trigger there were also comments that this gun which was the gun jeremy claimed to have pulled out to shoot rabbits but didn't fully put away was a fairly easy gun to use for even a novice So because people said sheila had was not comfortable with guns or whatever that she could have found that one easy to use other evidence was found by the family in the kitchen where there were scratches on the red mantle one of the silencers found had flecks of red paint on it, which would suggest there was a struggle that caused the silencer to hit the mantle. However, the scratches were not present in the police photos and would have had to have been created after the photos were taken. And remember they took hundreds and hundreds of photos of the crime scene even when they just they did were thinking it was a murder suicide. Mhm. They took tons of pictures and there's Which ended up being good but Yeah. Yeah. And there's no scratches in it. So if you're using the scratches on the mantle as your, like, definitive proof that there was a struggle, but also, like, if, if there was a struggle, that doesn't tell you who did it. mm That just says there was a struggle. Yeah, they're, they're acting like the scratches on the mantle meant that Jeremy did it. Yeah. And that's not, that's inaccurate. Yeah, that's not, that doesn't tell you anything. I guess unless, unless they're saying definitively the silencer put the scratches there and that would have meant Jeremy had to do it because Sheila wouldn't have used a silencer, I guess. I guess. I don't know. I mean, Sheila defies all laws of nature, in my opinion, because she was supposed to be dead, and then she rises up and takes the fucking stairs. I'm winded by going upstairs just normally. I know. And and I don't have any gunshot wounds. Exactly. So you're already, like, shot in the neck or whatever, and then you get up and do one last cardio, like, before? I mean... I don't get it. How do we know that she didn't use the silencer if the silencer, in fact, was used? She's breaking rules all over the place. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, maybe her... Did they measure her arms? Maybe they were unusually long. I have a... I have a guess that he is, like, 6'5". But his arm span, like, his wingspan, is supposed to be... So, I guess you can measure, like, your wingspan versus how tall you are. And his wingspan would indicate that he's supposed to be 6'11, but he's only like 6'5. Thought, only 6'5. Only 6'5. I thought you were gonna go the other way and be like, he has T Rex arms. No, <laughs> no, he's got, I mean, they, they look proportionate to me. He's got an unusually long, cause he'll be sitting in my chair and reach, and like, it's nothing, like, go go gadget arms, like, he'll reach stuff, and I'm like, wow, how did you reach that? You didn't even move. And he's like, yeah, I got a pretty long wingspan. I'm like, huh. Yeah. I So it can happen. Yeah, I can't reach anything. No. If somebody, like, I feel like if even you. Mm, what does that mean? Because you're not, you don't have that wingspan. But, like, if you had your arm out and was pushing my head or whatever, I feel like I'd just be, like, trying to grab at you, but I still couldn't <laughs> right. reach you. Like, yeah. It just, I don't have long arms. No. You know, peanut Got arms. Got a big head and a little arm. <laughs> <laughs> you know peanut arms. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... The blood that was on the silencer had previously been tested and was determined to be Sheila's because they found the AK-1 enzyme present in her blood and the blood on the silencer. You're about to piss me off. This is infuriating. Later, it was determined that the AK-1 enzyme couldn't really prove that the blood was Sheila's because rabbits also have this enzyme. It's so stupid. Like, it's essentially saying there was blood found on it and... Sheila has blood. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So it had to be Sheila's. Yeah, Sheila has blood. Yeah. Okay, I guess I was like, again, if it's Sheila's, it doesn't tell you anything, but it's a silencer. I keep forgetting about the silencer. That's the whole point, the and whole that's all you forget about. Silencer. Yeah, I just, yeah, I forgot about it. Get your shit together. Again, Jeremy had said that they used that gun for shooting rabbits. For, I Okay, like, it was the 80s, so it, it it's not like they had specific DNA testing. It's not like they could pull somebody's blood and be like, this is a a female and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But couldn't they tell the difference between animal and human blood at the very least? I mean, they had blood typing then, did they not? I would think so. I don't know. Do animals also have, like, type A? Like, do they have different types of blood? I have no idea. I've never thought about that. Because if you run blood through a a blood tester in the 80s, what pops out? Could you, you know? They do. They do have different blood types. have specific, species-specific blood groups. Humans are usually one of four main blood types. Thirteen types have been identified for dogs, eight for horses, and three for cats. Really? What about rabbits? Nothing about rabbits. It doesn't say anything about rabbits, but five known blood groups blood group systems of the rabbit hmm interesting oh this is three of the five known blood group systems of the rabbit can now be completely identified so i guess there are there are five but they only know about three i don't know i don't get it hmm logs were also revealed that showed neville had called police himself before he called jeremy for help this is huge if everything else isn't huge which it is this is huge it was discovered that a phone call was placed to police from Neville Bamber stating that his daughter had gone berserk drink and had gotten a hold of a gun then he called Jeremy Okay before at trial nobody heard that that Neville called the police himself at trial the only thing that they heard was that Jeremy called police and said my dad called me And said my sister had a gun and we need to fix it or whatever. So they even asked him, why did your dad not call the police? Well, he didn't know that he had called police. So he's like, well, he just likes to keep everything in the family. I don't know why he didn't call. And the police knew that he did call. Yes. Because he called them. Right. Like, yeah. So why did that not come out at trial? Because, well, this is, I mean, it's classic, but they're, cherry-picking what the evidence that they want to show yeah because it doesn't fit the narrative so because if if Jeremy's the only person that called police that makes it more suspicious we're getting the only words that we're getting from neville inside the house are coming from jeremy he can make that narrative whatever he wants it to be if, he, if he's trying to hide his guilt mm-hmm. but the fact that neville himself called police is huge, because he says, my daughter has gone berserk. Drink. Drink. She's got a gun. Like, he doesn't say my son is here threatening us. I don't think that Jeremy and Sheila had a plot together where Jeremy was like, you pretend like you're going to shoot everybody and then I'll actually come in and actually shoot everybody. And then... Maybe I won't shoot you or, like, I don't know why they would do that together. It doesn't make any sense. So, she had the gun. She was threatening to kill everybody. That's what we get from Neville. What the fuck? hmm Okay. So, now we have the timeline presented by Jeremy Bamber's official website. Jeremy's supporters have created a website with documents and other evidence, some of which was presented in court and some which was never brought to trial. On this site, they have a video that presents the timeline of events on August 6th and 7th. Their timeline is backed up by these unused police logs and other documents and goes a little something like this. August 6th, around 8 p.m., Jeremy's been working on the farm and comes into the house to find his family eating and in the midst of a serious discussion about Sheila's options regarding her children. They were even discussing whether foster care might be necessary. Oh, wow, it was that bad. Yeah. So yeah, June and Neville were definitely very concerned that she wasn't going to be able to care for them the way that she needed to. Jeremy returned to work until 8:45 or 9 p.m. He'd seen rabbits in the yard and went into the house to get a gun. At this time, the conversation about Sheila's options was still going on. When Jeremy went outside to shoot the rabbits, they were gone. So he put the gun back inside, but not really put away. So he said, "What, like on the table or just set it down somewhere?" Something? Yeah. yeah. 9.30 p.m., Jeremy finished working and drove home in his silver Astra. Um, the one in the, or the one the documentary said the police passed was a white Nova, but... Um, it was just maybe a, a confusion, m- right? Yeah, I mean, it's it was like yeah, yeah. At 10 p.m., June's sister, Pamela Boatflower, called White House Farm. She talked to Sheila, who sounded zombie-like and was only giving one-word answers. I feel like that never got brought up before. Not at all. And that's creepy as hell, too. Can you imagine, like, having a conversation with somebody and then being like, yes, no. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just... It's creepy, yeah. It's creepy. Yeah, you're you're seeing evidence of somebody who's having a, a psychotic break. Absolutely. Like, it's... And it's ba- backed up by more than just one person. It's backed up even by one of the victim's himself mm-hmm. so but police are not completely unwilling to even explore that even though when they got there they were like that's what happened and then all of a sudden they were like wait a minute we're only going to pay attention to one silencer but everything's going to hinge on that bitch yeah they it okay keep going i mean yeah. it's like they they looked at one piece of wrong evidence and the whole case was turned on its head yeah exactly Also around this time, Jeremy called Julie and found out she'd been drinking and smoking weed. She was making little sense on the call, and Jeremy gave up on trying to have a conversation with her. He said he went to bed around 11. At about 3.15 a.m. on August 7th, a call is placed from Neville to Jeremy, telling him to come over because Sheila had gone crazy, and then the line went dead. At 3.17, Jeremy tried to call back, but he got a busy signal. At 3.26, Neville placed an emergency call telling the police that his daughter, Sheila, had gone berserk drink and that she had his gun. Around the same time, Jeremy called Julie to tell her about the call and to get her opinion on what to do. Okay. Meanwhile, two police cars have been directed to address the call placed from White House Farm. At 3.36, Jeremy calls the police. At 3.41 a.m., the police try to call White House Farm, but they are also getting a busy signal. They check the phone at 3.42 a.m. through the phone company and are told that the phone is off the hook, not necessarily in use. At the same time, Jeremy is heading to the farmhouse and is passed by the police. Police arrive on the scene at 3.48 a.m. and Jeremy follows in his Astra at 3.50 a.m. At 3.55, the two officers and Jeremy saw movement in a bedroom window and in a 4- o'clock to 4.04 a.m. situation report, firearms assistance is requested and the movement in the window is reported. At 4.09 a.m., it is noted that there has been no further movement or signs of life and all the lights are on. At 4.58 a.m., a a firearms unit and canine unit arrive. At 5.25, firearms unit is reportedly in contact with somebody inside the house and Jeremy was asked what they could say to Sheila to get her to surrender. Are you serious? Are you kidding me? I... Are we taking crazy pills? And there's there's actual reports that show this, but like... They don't What even... happened to them? Where were these police officers at trial? Right. Was it just not admitted? Like, did the judge say you couldn't talk to them or something? Like, the defense definitely should have brought them in the phone lines are checked again at 5 42 a.m and this time they say the phone line is engaged or busy so they're not saying it's off the hook anymore they're saying it's in use by 5 50 a.m the farm's phone line is being monitored continually at 6 20 a.m ambulances are called to the scene i don't understand why they didn't go in the house they have firearms there now why are we waiting this long Anyway, at 6.42 a.m., more firearm unit officers arrive at the farm, and at 7, the main bedroom window lights are turned off and the curtains are closed. And no one has entered the house. It's only the people who are currently in the house, right? It's so fucking creepy. By 7.15 a.m., the lights are back on and the curtains are fully open. So we see curtains are opening and closing. And officer's report seeing a rifle in the window, like oh. leaned up against the window. Now, prosecutors now say they thought it was a rifle, but it was actually a vacuum cleaner standing there. But was it there the entire time or it appeared there? I don't think anybody notes a vacuum cleaner in the window yeah, once I was they go say. inside the house. I don't know. At 7.34 a.m., the firearms unit break into the farmhouse with a sledgehammer and report a female body in the kitchen. Actually, the raid team reported two bodies in the kitchen, the one female, one male, which is corroborated in multiple places throughout different logs. So every one of these people that went in had to write down their encounter. Their account of what happened, right? Account, yes. That's what I was looking for. And they all say the two bodies down there. And three upstairs. But then later, they say one downstairs and four upstairs. It's just simple math. Like, there's, it's, because with that kind of stuff, it's black and white. There is no gray. Maybe there were three, maybe they were four. Like, it, it's either yes or no. Right. So how is it both in this case? Exactly. At 7.37 a.m., it's reported that the raid team heard noise upstairs and they began calling out to Sheila. So they think she's moving around, they're yelling for her. a.m., report recorded three further bodies upstairs. And the raid team was mic'd up, but they don't have any tapes. Either it wasn't recorded or they're gone. 8.45 a.m. has multiple reports of a single gunshot to Sheila. 9.14 a.m. is when Detective Inspector Stan Jones arrives at the farmhouse. At 9.30 a.m., the rifle is reportedly by Sheila's right side and not across her body. When the police photographer began taking pictures of the scene at 10 a.m., he requests the gun that's resting on Sheila to be made safe so he and everyone else in the room are not in danger of the Sheila gun and... coming back to life. and shooting Yeah, them. <laughs> I guess. Maybe they just finished watching uh, Evil Dead or what's that movie, uh, Dawn of the Dead. Or Right. Yeah. There are seven photos that show Sheila's hand in the gun and in all seven photos, the position of her hand changes. Oh, my gosh. One of the photos has the rifle standing up by the window. So, either they repositioned her or she did come back from the dead and just did multiple poses. She's like, you want me to try it here? How's here? <laughs> right. Is this good? Should we do one by the like, window? Show me passion. <laughs> show me. Yeah. He's like, Give me more." the lighting coming in from the window, that's going to be great. Let's get a shot of the rifle at the window. You're a llama. You're a llama. You don't have sharp teeth <laughs> capable of biting. <laughs> I I don't understand. Photographs are completed at 10.50 a.m. and the bodies are placed in body bags. Finally, at 11.10 a.m., the gun is removed from Sheila's body for the quote-unquote first time. Well, we'll agree to disagree, I guess. Yeah. What about the picture of it at the window? Yeah. What about all of the other movement, you know, like, okay. Okay. If you want to, if you want to call it, that, that's fine. Okay. Okay, Okay. 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 Sure. The website goes much further into detail, as does the podcast They Walk Among Us, but there is evidence that points to Sheila and behavior that points to Jeremy. As of October 19, 2019, the most recent information is from The Mirror Online, who reported that Jeremy and his team have obtained the call logs to prove that he called police 10 minutes after his father had previously called to report the trouble at the farm. The Guardian also recently reported, that the jury was not aware that the blood found in the silencer that apparently matched Sheila's also matched Robert Boatflower, and that in 2002, it was presented in that appeal that the DNA in the silencer could not definitively be identified as Sheila's. I mean, as far as we know, it can't even definitively be identified as human. Right, exactly. It's been 34 years since the murders and 33 years of Jeremy being in prison. Jeremy has never wavered in proclaiming his innocence, which, you know, guilty people do that too. Sure. Um, But he does keep working to expose what he says is the truth. So, I don't know. What do you think? I think he's innocent. kind of do too. I mean there's no disputing the fact that I think he's kind of an asshole, you know, like, right. I don't think the, his character is not what's in question here, but I, do I think that he committed these murders? I don't, I really don't. I think there's exponential evidence that proves that Sheila did it. Yeah. And I think that Neville's call to me, even if you disregard all of these other police logs that they reportedly found that were not admitted in trial, and the whole two silencers thing and only one of them exist in the police logs, like, um, Neville's call to me says, we know who did it and it was Sheila. Absolutely. I am appalled at the amount of evidence that police and prosecution just denied. Like, I don't think that Jeremy got a fair trial at all no and they're completely denying him a free trial or a a, um yeah fair trial excuse me well and like we've talked about before okay so this happened in 1984 what could they really do with some of this blood evidence also the fact that they threw away that they burned the carpets why did they even feel like they needed to clean up the house for him well that's what yeah it's like they were out of bounds for a lot of this and it's like if it was just to be polite, which I don't know if that's true or not, that's weird. Yeah. And if it wasn't, now it seems like they're just trying to cover up because it's like this witch hunt, you know, like, okay, well, yeah. Jeremy did it. It's just so weird because it's a crime scene. People died there. Um, I mean, i I do wish the police would come over here and do some of my laundry. That would be really nice. That would be really helpful. Yeah. Um, But I just don't think that's part of their job. So I'm just a little confused about that. But Neville calling is just so telling to me. But, oh, that's what I was saying. So the fact that it happened in 1984 and the fact that the testing is so different now and you can do so much more with testing. Mm -hmm. I I really think we're going to have to have something that addresses that within our justice systems. Because you can't just look at something that happened in 1984 and say, and using DNA evidence as they did on the silencer and using that as something that got him convicted. If they didn't use any of that at all, okay, whatever. But they did. So, we need to go back and test that because we don't know that that was Sheila's blood. Well, yeah, you can't in good conscience be like, look, we did everything we could there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the the verdict is going to stand. Yeah, and I'm guessing that their justice system is going to be similar to ours in the fact that they're not going to re-examine the case unless they can prove like a Brady violation or something like that. But I do like how the Italian government at least does that part, where if you do have new evidence, you get to have the whole case re-examined. And especially in situations where advances in technology completely change all that, that's needed because i mean but also if these police logs that they found are real then that's Brady violations all over the fucking place like exactly or whatever i don't know what they called them there or whatever but that's definitely like information withheld from the defense mhm so because if you are manipulating a jury like that mhm or a judge or whoever is making that call that's not fair mm-hmm. like you can't you can't omit facts. That's right. not fair. Yeah. And Julie's testimony is super problematic to me. I mean, it's really hard because there are situations where two people break up and one person has it out for the person they broke up with. There are also situations where two people break up and that person says, well, you've been doing XYZ this whole time and I was kind of turning a blind eye to it. Or just not saying anything about it, but now that we're broken up, fuck you, I'm going to tell people. So there's, there's both of those, but it does seem, I don't know, like if your boyfriend looks at you and is like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and kill my whole family soon and I went out and bought a gun for it. I mean, she should have been prosecuted then if that was her testimony and it was the God's honest truth because she could have prevented a mass killing and she did so not. So no, now she's an accessory? That's what I would call her. Yeah. But they gave her, you know, just whatever. They're like, well, his girlfriend said she was going to kill them all. So that's fact. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I just don't think you can put the whole weight of everything on that. No. And it seemed like they were really leaning heavily on things that you can't prove. Well, that's circumstantial evidence. Yeah. And a lot of times circumstantial evidence can be super powerful it can but not when it's i feel like it's it's not fair for it to be emotionally charged like it was with that yeah yeah and they don't they don't have anything else like no concrete yeah nothing nothing they don't have jeremy buying a gun cuz julie says he was going to buy a new gun i don't think they have him buying a new gun around that time mm-hmm. the gun that was used was the one that was always in the house um they don't have a record of him telling they don't have another person to corroborate that, you know, like it just seems like there would be something else you know i I know one case that's I don't even know if it's really super um what am I trying to say like uh highly debated or whatever, but um the Scott Peterson trial, you know that relied really heavily on circumstantial evidence. And with that case, it would be very, very difficult to prove with DNA evidence because, of course, his DNA is going to be in the house or wherever because they were married. But to me, finding the body 90 miles away where he happened to go fishing on a day that was too cold to go golfing and it's even colder in the fucking water. To me, that is some physical evidence like because how else did, is her body going to get there? Sure, somebody could have put it there to frame him. But what are the odds that he's going to be there that same day? Like, it's there's so many things, not just one person's testimony that's pointing to him. And right. in this Jeremy Bamber case, it's like literally Julie. And then the police who were like, yeah, okay, us too. We agree. Yeah. And then that's, they ran with it. Yeah. And there's so much evidence that's pointing against it. Yeah. But they refuse to even acknowledge it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no, I don't think there's any debating or denying that Jeremy was a little shit. A little, yeah. Like to his parents and, you know, he was definitely spoiled and whatever, but, um, you know. It oh, doesn't make him a killer. Right. And this experience, if anything, is going to humble him, I'm sure. I would hope so, but yeah, it's, I, I think that there's just so, there's just so many things, like there's just so many things that point to Sheila Mm -hmm. and the fact that Jeremy was outside with them for that long and then they finally went in, like if, if Sheila, and I have seen the pictures of Sheila's gunshot wounds to her neck and that blood does look fresh, shiny. It's not matte like it's dried. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's still it's still wet at least. Mm-hmm. If she'd been laying there for 4 or 5 hours at that point, that should be dried. Mm-hmm. Now I did not see the other photos. Other gunshot wounds at that time, but I mean, if you cut yourself and once your blood dries, it looks completely different than wet blood. Like oh, absolutely, you can yeah. tell the difference between wet and dry blood. So yeah, I think uh, I think it was Sheila, I do too, in the farmhouse with the rifle. Yes, you win clue. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think that Jeremy is not a very nice and savory character, but I do not think that he killed him. So no, and I do think it needs to at least be re- re-examined. Yeah, that DNA evidence needs to be taken into account and you know we don't know whose it was I don't know yeah I agree yeah so that's That's the case the case thanks again to Laura yes and we hope everybody has a very happy new year yes and if you get a chance listen to um that NSYNC song about it being a new happy new year Right kiss me at midnight yes okay i was like yeah and also be safe um on new year's eve get an uber Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you're going to drink which is what a lot of people do don't spend too much money on a ticket for somewhere that's not very fun yeah have a cute little outfit just don't yeah call someone and let them drive you around don't try to do it yourself yeah checkpoints abound Yes, absolutely. I will personally be in bed by 10 o'clock, but I probably will too. Yeah. But you know, everybody else out there have a good time. Yes. Yeah.
1: And or we'll...
0: if it's like a couple years ago, I'll have been in bed and then my husband will wake me up to celebrate New Year's and then I'll just go right back to right bed, to put myself yeah. right back to bed. <laughs> exactly. Um, so. yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll see you next year. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.